Green in the pistol, Halani behind him. Hand off to Halani, right side, gets to the 10, cuts back to the 5, and into the end zone. And we are tied at 13 on a 12-yard run, a power run by George Halani. Behind their best offensive performance of the season, the Boise State football team runs all over San Diego State. Third down and three. They need to get to the 30. Green zone read. Hands it to Chinti. Big hole over the left side. Inside the 30. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. Touchdown, Ashton Chinti. Boise State now leads it 20 to 13. Genty with a 33-yard score. Running backs George Halani and Ashton Genty racked up over 200 yards on the ground between them, but it was Taylor Green that shined in the spotlight once again. Zone read. Green keeps it left side. No one home to the 30, to the 20, down the sidelines. 10-5. Touchdown, Taylor Green. 39 yards on the scamper for Green. Green just had too much speed for the Aztecs. Welcome on into Jay Sports Bar. Jay Tuss alongside Shane Williams Rhodes. Boise State racks up 316 rushing yards, 450 yards of total offense, and they score 35 unanswered points to pick up a victory over San Diego State with a new offensive coordinator, a new starting quarterback, Shane. The best case scenario happened for the Broncos amidst a ton of adversity last week. For sure, you know, it's what we've been, uh, not I guess not we, it's what I've been uh, calling for now for about a year. What's today's date here? Let's see. It's the fifth. You yeah. know, I guess I'm a year and about two days over, but I've been asking for it, so I'm glad I finally got to see Everybody it. Everybody said you were going to be so smug about this. Go to Shane's Twitter profile. You can see what he has pinned at the top, and he's had it pinned there for quite some time. Taylor Green, fall of 2022. Fall has arrived, and so is Taylor Green. Yes, he has. Uh, we came out. We got exactly, second half-wise, I feel like that is exactly what you would think the offense would look for as far as Taylor running it. I think Dirk did a great job of playing to his players' strengths. So, I mean, I know we'll jump into it here, but yeah. I feel like they came out in the first quarter, and, our game, and the game plan was to stick with what they've been doing because that's what they're familiar with. Mm -hmm. But what they're familiar with is not what's Taylor's strength. So you're out there running a game plan. Still, that's designed for Hank Bachmeyer. Now, obviously, we saw in the second half they had other things in that were strengths for Taylor, but I feel like they came out and tried to execute a game plan that didn't play to his strengths. And the time that he did complete the ball, I think it was the first play, one of the first or second plays in the game, mm -hmm. he scrambles out of the pocket, yeah. 30 yards around, and then he throws a ball down the field. Cross his body. Yep, and, it, and he completes it for 17 yards. So it just shows you, I know, once again, I've been saying it you know, for the last few weeks, but we got to get him moving. Mm -hmm. We can't have him sitting in the pocket. He's not a pocket passer yet. You know, I don't know if he'll end up being that, but mm -hmm. he's a guy that can make plays happen when he moves. So yep. we need to get him moving out of pocket. He did that. That might have been his, one of his deepest passes all day. Yeah. Hey, go back and check the tape. We did talk about a lot of this last week on the show, Shane. Coming up today, we're going to preview the Fresno State game, the battle of the milk can between Boise State and the Bulldogs. Uh, Fresno State going to be shorthanded for this one. We're going to talk about Boise State's dominant defense, and they have been absolutely dominant. Uh, but we are going to begin, though, with the offense, the rushing attack, and in particularly, Taylor Green. Um, we said... When he throws, move him out of the pocket. Do things that he's comfortable doing. Maybe make some decisions for him. Make the game easier for Taylor Green. And that's exactly what Boise State did. Almost every single one of his five completions came when he was rolling out of the pocket. And uh, I remember uh, on a third down in, in five or so, he hit Steph Cobbs going out of bounds. Um, 
it seems like a kind of a simple throw, but it was a throw that kind of like helped dictate the, the rest of the game. It set up the eventual go-ahead scoring drive, and, and the rest was history. But I think the thing that stands out to me most is we talked about simplifying the offense, playing to players' strengths. They, they did exactly those two things, and that basically was the identity of what they did in the second half on offense. Dirk Cutter, stepping in as the offensive coordinator, said that they basically leaned on five plays, and, and San Diego State had zero answer for any of them. It's like playing Madden as a kid. You find the, those few plays that work, you just rotate them through, yeah. and that's all he did. He kept it simple. Uh, obviously, like you said, he played to the strengths, but all of those plays were designed. I mean, we have, if you look at it right now, we have the best backfield in the Mountain West. With our Ooh. quarterback and two running backs, as far as a rushing attack goes, there is no other place that has three backs, let's just say backs, period, with those three, mm -hmm. that that can compete with what we have. Hey, we've been sold this storyline with Boise State running backs for the last few years. There's no drop-off between one and two. Uh, now seeing the difference between George Helani and Ashton Genty, um, that was a lie in years past because now you really do feel great about Ashton Genty, and I'm standing behind what I said earlier this season. I think that I think George Helani is going to contend for Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year. Right now he's on pace, 12 games for 940 yards. If they go to a bowl game, 13-game schedule, uh, 13 schedule, he's on pace to get back over 1,000 for the second time in his career, rush for 1,014 yards as a true freshman. That would put him on pace for 1,019 yards this year, and I think that that is the absolute uh, basement for that guy. I think he is going to have a monster mm -hmm. season, season moving forward. Got to remember that pace is based off of not having an identity. Exactly. Trying to figure out if we're going to run the ball, we're going to throw the ball. Yep. We're gonna do. We know what we're gonna do now. Yeah. The only thing is, everybody else knows we're gonna do now too. True. And 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 hey, I'm gonna ask you about that once we get to Fresno State because Boise State is gonna have to mix things up because you have to be more than five plays. Let's face it. But um, I, I think for me, the one thing that I saw or particularly noticed was this team looked like they were having fun playing football again. There was energy on the sideline that I haven't seen in quite some time, uh, maybe even in the Andy Avalos era, and I'm not attributing that to him necessarily. I'm, I'm just saying it's been, been quite some time where it feels like Boise State stepped on the throat of a good team and just and didn't let off. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've seen us – well, I don't think I've ever seen us score 35 unanswered, just throwing that out there. Yeah. But us, the sidelines, the way they were, I haven't seen that in the last few years. I think the most excited I've seen our sidelines get might might have been an away game. It was BYU last year. Yeah. We, were, we were jumping around last year. You know, we knocked off a top 15 team, but it was fun to watch those guys this last weekend. Yeah. As we talk about the, the difference between the first half and the second half, after the game we asked some of the players to uh, share what the difference was. And surprisingly, there was no rah-rah speech involved. You know, if you commit to the opportunities and you stay together in this game, it's unbelievable what will happen. And uh, that's what that's what the team did, and that's what we talked about in the locker room at halftime. I mean, it wasn't nothing special. Like, you know, it wasn't like we went in there and had some Space Jam water and, you know, just all of a sudden just started getting some juices. I mean, I feel like a lot of it was just a momentum swing. You know, it kind of got guys going. It got guys, you know, it woke guys up. And after that, you know, offense, bang, 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 got, got in the end zone. The chains are moving. And the offense is on the field, and those chains keep moving. Um, you know, the likelihood of scoring points is really high. And so when we talk about having an offense that is efficient and effective, it, no matter what the style of the offense is, it always starts up front. It always starts by, by being able to create. And as we move forward, you know what? We'll continue to grow. This is just the starting point. You know, the offense line, the, the tight ends, the receivers, everybody doing their job, you know, um, just buying in and being able to, 
bring that mentality in the second half, be aggressive up front, wear those guys down. And that's something we definitely did in the second half. Tyreek Jones, Andy Avalos, and George Halani sharing their thoughts on the difference at halftime. I love what Tyreek said. Hey, they, they didn't take Space Jam juice or anything. Hey, Shane, this game reminded me so much of a game that you played in against San Diego State on the blue. You go back to 2014, a special, special year for this program. They went on to win the Fiesta Bowl that year. But in the, in the, late in that season, they had a November game against uh, San Diego State. It was the coldest game in the history of the world. Maybe not, not literally, but it certainly felt like that here. You guys go down 20 to nothing, and it, it was 8 degrees at that point in time. It felt like negative uh, 28 degrees because of, of the deficit. Uh, you go on a 31-3 run. You come back to knock off the Aztecs. What in the world can go on in a locker room where you can, you can go from playing as poorly as Boise State did to being nearly flawless for the last half of football? Uh, for that team, it was more of execution. So we obviously know what we're going to get with that team, with, with that San Diego State team. They play, I, you know, honestly, San Diego State is just as tough as playing them as it is playing BYU every year. They're, they're going to bring it. They always have a good defense. But that team specifically, uh, they had a really good running back, uh, Donnell Pumphrey, and they were able to run the ball really, really well. And then on our flip side, we weren't able, I mean, we had the best back in the Mountain West, but we weren't able to run it as well. And when we took our shots, we did not complete them. And that's what was tough. And I mean, even if you come back and look at the game, uh, when we did start catching them, I think Chaz Anderson might have caught a ball off his helmet or something like that, just in a weird way. But we started making plays, and so uh, we just started feeding off one another. And, and once we started taking those shots and completing them, the coverage got a little bit more soft. Jay started kind of, you know, going a little bit, uh, going crazy out yeah. there. It kind of erupted. I think you had three touchdowns, uh, 134 rushing yards on maybe 29 carries, I want to say. Yeah. Um, by the way, I think we've had a Chaz Anderson reference in back-to-back -back weeks or maybe two times in three weeks, so I'm, I'm all here for that. <laughs> uh, it, it, it just – it's crazy the difference that seven days can make. Seven days ago, I mean, we're sitting here honestly like, are they going to go to a bowl this year? And – I know that might seem like something that could be extreme, but in all honesty, like this is a team that really struggled to do anything offensively. And at halftime, they were shut out with zero tempo, zero rhythm, nothing going for them against San Diego State. And now all of a sudden, after two quarters of football, it's like this team should go on and win the Mountain West. When you look around the rest of the league this year, this is a team that should win the Mountain West. I think a handsome young man on a podcast last week said that Boise State was going to win eight games this year. It's looking like uh, that guy might be right. Hey, my, <laughs> I'm going to say, BYU is going to be tough. I know they still got to go to Air Force. The good thing this week, again, is that, that Fresno State's banged up, and now all of a sudden that, that eight wins. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because we're, we're, we're two quarters into this, but it seems like we're back to that maybe being the, the low yeah. expectation, the basement floor of what this team is, uh, is potential of. Dirt Cutter. Mm-hmm. What difference did he make in that game? Why was he able to be so effective? Experience. He's been around the game so long. He's seen it. You know, I mean, let's think about how many times he's went into the locker room down 13. It's probably over 100 times in his career. Like he's, he's been on multiple NFL teams. Obviously, this year he wasn't expecting to be where he is now, but uh, I hate to say it, but the game is a little bit more simpler at the college level, right? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, just seeing what they saw in the first half and what would work. And I think once he began to allow Taylor to use those strengths, 
the reason you saw things like Halani and Jensi just popping for eight and nine yards is because now that backside end cannot just go and obviously give those guys numbers. He can't just go and crash down on the run play every time. And we saw what happens if they're going to crash down on the run play and try to stop our backs. Yep. Well, we got a guy that's fast too at quarterback that can take off around the edge. Mm -hmm. So I think that helps. It opens up. So you can't be so aggressive on defense because if you fly up field and he pulls it or he gives it, you might be out of place. You know, it's so interesting as an offensive coordinator because I think sometimes you might feel, I've never been one outside of on a video game, which obviously doesn't count, but it, sometimes it feels like you might have to overcomplicate it. Like if you're finding success on your play sheet, you're, you, you want to go to different parts of your play sheet and, and try this. But then there's also something in you that says, wow, if these, if these are working, let's just mm -hmm. stick with these. And apparently that's exactly what Boise State did. I had no idea how that game was going to go, what direction it was. So I'm pretty sure those guys didn't either. either. And, uh, you know, we, we struggled on offense early. Our defense bailed us out multiple times there in that first half. Uh, the fact that we were only down 13 is probably, you know, to, to be able to go in the locker room and say, hey, we're just down two scores. Now, I know with uh, the way we've been playing, two scores seemed like 20 scores. But, uh, you know, the other thing is because we were so poor or we ran so few plays, I mean, you guys see a call sheet. We got we try to keep our numbers of plays down. But if you're not running any plays, you're not finding that rhythm you're looking for. You're not finding what's working because we kept going three and out or turning over or, or get a penalty or something. In the second half, the biggest difference was we found what worked and we just kept doing it and tell that we, you know, you do anything until they stop it. And they basically, we were basically on a five play rotation and they couldn't stop it. Shane, have you ever been a part of a game where things aren't going so well? So you really do simplify your playbook down almost as small as you can and then all of a sudden just explode and become unstoppable. Because that's, it's so crazy to me learning that after the game. Boise State was as condensed in their playbook as they've been all season, yet at the same time they seemed as unpredictable as they've ever been mm -hmm. and um, as consistent in, in, uh, in rhythm as they've been all season. I've never seen it to, I guess, as as severity as this this one was. This yeah. was wild to me to see them come out and run the exact same thing every play. And all the thing they switched was the running backs. Take one out, put one in, and it's just like they were getting drives. They weren't switching every two plays. They were going to come in, one back would run down your throat, score. Then we come in, the next drive, we see the next back come in, run down your throat and score. It was it was a clinic, mm -hmm. precisely. It was, a, it was a clinic. And with that offense that we're running right now, uh, obviously – Everyone can assume this is going to be our base, you know, of our identity, of our offense. This offense is a lot like Air Force. Mm -hmm. If guys on defense are not disciplined and the guy who's supposed to take quarterback doesn't take quarterback, you get hit and guys can go. I mean, it's the reason why teams like Air Force and Navy and all these teams, they, they lead in rushing every year because they'll run the same play and it just takes one guy to be out of spot and you're gone. They hit you. Mm -hmm. So – as we push this thing forward and before we move on to defense, um, how do you see this evolving for the Boise State offense? Because I, I think we can, can, agree, can agree that despite the fact these plays really worked against San Diego State, you, you better believe that Fresno State is figuring out how to be disciplined and stop these five plays or whatever. I don't know if it's exactly five plays or not, but uh, they're going to force Boise State to adjust. So what happens when Fresno State says, hey, we're going to put – eight, nine guys in the box, what are you going to do now? For all the people on Twitter who continuously say Taylor can't throw, 
I hear you. I understand. He's a freshman. He cannot throw as well as Hank. I don't think personally he can throw as good as Vidlak. I honestly thought, I said in the spring, I thought he had, uh, Vidlak had the best yeah. ball out of all the quarterbacks. And I got to say, even Dirk Cutter brought that up this week, Shane. He said that, you know, in his minimal time around the team as an analyst back in the spring, he's like, man, I, I thought that Sam was going to win that number two yeah. job. But all of a sudden, Taylor really started to elevate his game, and he was able to hold off Sam from overcoming him. But what we saw in that San Diego State game, Sam got rid of the ball quick, mm -hmm. and he was pretty accurate. And that included a 53-yard deep shot right down the heart of the defense to Billy Bones. Yeah, he had a few drops. Uh, obviously, those guys, we've been mm -hmm. talking about these receivers. we got to get the receivers, get some help. But, yes, we will get an eight-man box this week, for sure. At some point, whether it's on third down, mm -hmm. we're going to get an eight-man box. But where I was going with this is those people who say he can't throw, this is where now – there's only going to be three or four guys back deep in coverage yep. now. If you're so Steph, now, Steph Cobbs, Billy yeah. Bowens, you got to be licking your chops knowing that you're going to get man coverage yep. on the outside. As a wide receiver, is there anything you like to see more than that? Knowing you got to be one dude and, yep. and you can make a big play for your team. That's as good as it gets. I mean, I remember teams were bringing five and six, and they were getting to Hank. And we were like, okay, well, they're bringing five or six, so they still got five back in yep. coverage, and we still know where to throw the ball. We only got three receivers out on routes. Well, now we got three or four guys back deep, and we got three or four receivers out there. So we have numbers. We can, we can get open. We should be able to get open. So this is where Taylor's margin of error, it's, it's wide now. So, like, now you don't have to fit it in between two guys, a safety and a corner. There you go. Now you only have the corner because your safety might be coming in the box. So this helps him because his ability to run opens up the pass for him. He, doesn't, he can make a few more errors than he typically would. You know, the thing I liked about um, what we saw in the second half on offense, too, so oftentimes, Shane, how many times this year did we see George Halani get hit in the backfield, Hank Bachmeyer get sacked? It's all these drives that you're in second and 13 and third and eight or longer, and it, it just was such these difficult situations mm -hmm. to get out of. And Boise State was so effective running the rock on first and second down they hardly even face any type of third down, let alone third and long. It, it just made it easier on the mm -hmm. offense to be efficient and sustain drives and find rhythm, avoiding these situations that the, the calculations, the data says you're going to fail in eventually. Mm -hmm. It's hard to pin your ears back and make a play in the backfield when you do not know who has the ball. Right. That changes everything. Slows it, people down up front mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, and I'm really praying, I'm praying that we get, you know, some split back this week. Ooh. You know, can we zone read one back to the right? If we pull it, the back on the right, the back that comes from the left, we zone read him to the right. Mm -hmm. This back goes behind. Now we got an option off of it. Okay. Can we get all three guys in the game at the same time? Interesting. I mean, if we're not going to, if our receivers aren't going to step up and be those guys that we're typically used to seeing, let's put both backs in. Let's put extra tight end in. Let's. Let's pound it. If we're yeah. going to pound it, let's do it. Let me ask you this. I think like the, the one noticeable wrinkle in, in the offense, and Andy said, he told me this week, he's like, no, nah, we've, we've had this in before, but they had not shown it yet. Tyler Crow had a presence in the backfield this week, and, and it was kind of subtle in the stat sheet because he only had one carry. But, but using him as a lead blocker, coming under, you know, things like that, like there's eventually going to be a spot where he, he's going to be the, the, the counter guy that throws everything off for a second. I wouldn't be surprised if you started seeing him in even playing a little bit of fullback just because, obviously, the aggression that he has. He came in as a linebacker. Mm -hmm. He has that mentality for sure. So uh, that's a way to get him on the field. And then now 
once again, you lull them to sleep, running the same stuff. Now Tyler goes out the back door. You got more, I, I'd say put more backs on the field this week. Yeah. For sure. Shane, I got, I got a stat that I want to share before we move on, and, and it's about Taylor Green. You know, he has been so good at running the football this year. There are 14 players in the entire country that have multiple 100-yard rushing games and two or more touchdowns in those, in those games. There are only three quarterbacks that have done it. Taylor is one of those three quarterbacks. Are you impressed yet? Because I'm going to go one step further. I am. Okay, well, I'm still going to go one step further. Taylor's basically played six quarters, and he's on that list. This is true. That is insane. Yeah. Not even two games. Not even two games, and, and, he's, and he's doing stuff like that. I can't wait to see what the future holds for this kid and this offense and to see how it grows and to see how opposing defenses are going to test him and make him mature and make him do things that he might not be elite at right now and see if he can handle that. Because if he can, the next four years, oh, could be dynamite. Oh, yeah. Could be a lot of fun. I don't know if we get him for four years if he keeps growing every year. He might be one of those early outs. Man, we might be looking at the next uh, pinned tweet on Shane Williams <laughs> Rhodes' profile there. Switching sides of the ball, we go over to the, the defense now. Hey, Shane, I, I know that they've had some good defenses since I've been at Boise State, or since I've been covering Boise State, I should say, uh, and since you've been at Boise State. But this defense, I think that they got a chance to be the best um, in, in my 12 years of covering this thing. Now, I got, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to be realistic here because that 2011 defense was loaded with NFL dudes. But at the end of the day, we might be saying that the same thing about this defense. You look at the way that George Tarlis is playing up front right now at edge. Scott Matlock is playing in the middle of that defensive line. Uh, J.L. Skinner on the back end of that thing. Uh, Caleb Biggers has been, has, has been playing good football. And then all of a sudden, D.J. Schramm coming out of darn near nowhere. Uh, his stats right now... If, if he can keep this up, he will contend for Defensive Player of the Year in the Mountain West, especially when you look around the league, what everybody else is doing. DJ is, is having an absolutely tremendous year. What is allowing this defense to play so good because they just seem so connected on every level right now? Well, I think at every position, for the most part, we have guys that do their job and that can win the one-on-one -on -one matchup. But I think what the biggest thing is what people haven't really understood yet yeah. is – this offense has been playing mediocre for the most part all year. And, that's and this defense kind. has been playing great yeah, all year. That's probably very kind of you, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is what it is. You know? <laughs> so this offense hasn't been able to sustain any drives with three and outs, maybe five play drives, and then defense is on the game, field the whole game, and they're still stopping people. Mm -hmm. Well, now you have an offense that's going to run the ball a lot, milk some clock, keep your defense off the field, and, and those guys are already creating turnovers. They're already stopping people. People are not just driving down the field. In the first half, they scored 13 points. Mm -hmm. But we obviously know that was because we threw an interception. We yeah. gave the ball up, right? Yeah, Things terrible like field position. And even the, the, the lone touchdown was a blocked punt return for a touchdown. Right? So we're there, right? In the second half, our offense was able to create much better drives. Yep. We were scoring the ball. We were holding the ball. We're not just giving it up. What happens? Our defense gives up zero. Mm -hmm. So our defense being more fresh on the field now because our offense can sustain drives is going to make our defense even better than it's been. Yeah. And that's the it's scary true. part. It's true. I was talking with a buddy last week, Shane, and I said that I want the offense to be good enough to figure out how good this defense can be, right? And, and, 
hey, I, I might need to start roping special teams into that because in Mountain West play, the spe- special teams unit has given up more points than the, than the actual defense has, yeah. That's, which is nuts. I mean, you go back, and I don't know how many times that I've been covering the team, I can literally remember every single defensive scoring drive through two games in Mountain West play. I mean, that, that's just it, – it's darn near un, unheard of. And you go back and you look at the New Mexico game, there was the one 69-yard mm-hmm. shot, right? Yep. So that's, that's, that's one touchdown. That's seven points. And then you go back to this last game, there, there are two field goals. Yeah. You better believe that's, that's, Avalos is focusing on that this week. Right. Special teams. They've got they've – got, if and when they get that figured out, this is going to be an, an incredible – Mm-hmm. football team because they're starting to figure things out on offense I will I, I do think that what has gone on on defense is or excuse me on special teams is unacceptable I mean it, that's not even being critical that just is what it is to allow three defense or three special teams touchdowns through five games is is absolutely unacceptable so they have to figure that out but that, whether it's their ability to, to pressure to cover to uh, be selfless and dynamic when they stunt up front like they just they tackle so well. Mm-hmm. We talked about last week that it wasn't great against UTEP and it allowed uh, the Miners to kind of sustain drives. Tackling was at, I mean, it was outstanding last week for the Boise State football team. I, I, I'm trying to think. I don't even remember a moment where I was like, yeah, they, they could have they could have tackled better right there and prevented a few yards because they yeah. were just so sound in that department. I personally think our biggest weakness on defense might be our coverage skills. Hmm. But because our Oh, our D-line is so good. Helps, right? Yeah. You, you you know, guys aren't for... sitting back there just getting a chance to throw yeah. the ball. When you get a chance, to, mm-hmm. you, if you put pressure on the quarterback, guys don't have to cover for that long. Yep. You take care of that. I, that's exactly how I feel. I feel like if we run into a team that has a really good offensive line, uh, that could be where our defense could be, maybe possibly. Yep. Could, it could be a liability. And, but... you, and you look down the road, like that could be like yeah. a BYU. They have a big physical mm-hmm. offensive yeah. line, but we'll, we'll worry about that later. For sure. That's, that, those are the things I'm worried about, but right now they're playing together, mm-hmm. and it's, it's great. And I think our DBs understand, like, okay, we're bringing a little pressure. We can sit on routes because they're going to have to throw the ball a little sooner. Now you got guys in the right spot early, and now we're, getting, we're creating turnovers. I want to – there are, like, plays that I think that deserve to be pointed out because I, I think there's a, the types of plays that, that go unnoticed to the common person that watches a football game. I will go all the way back to 2011. I remember Billy, uh, uh, Billy Wynn playing on that defense, and he eventually did go on in, and played in the NFL, and he was even very productive at Boise State. But, man, did what, he, what he did on that defensive line, it allowed a guy like Shea McClellan to make a lot of plays and eventually become the 19th overall pick by, behind the Chicago Bears. Scott Matlock is so good. But, like, my most memorable play for him is the one where um, he – they run a stunt, George, they stunt George Charles under him, mm-hmm. and Scott clears out everything, and then all of a sudden you have 6'5", 244 George Charles on a 5'9", 170-pound running back. How do you think it went? <laughs> Not good for San Diego State, but it's because of the selflessness of a guy that didn't go try to make a play by himself. Yeah. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help my brother out here and let him go do it, and it worked. They're playing together. So I said, you hit a nail on the head. They're playing together. They're not, they're not selfish. They, they understand that. To play defense well, that's how it has to be played. Mm-hmm. It can't be one guy just thinking he has to make every play. Yeah. You have to understand that where the scheme is set up, that I'm doing this so that this guy can do this. You're opening, opening up someone else. Just like when receivers run route concepts. You have a go route in the slot so that you can open up the dig coming from the outside 
to open him up. That's everyone has to play their role, it, and they're doing a really good job of that. It feels like this defense right now, like you don't have to necessarily call plays to protect anybody. You don't try to call plays to, you know, emphasize any one individual to be able to make plays. Mm-hmm. They just go out there, and they got eleven dudes on the field that can that can play really well together. And I think you're seeing that. DJ Schramm. 11 tackles, four tackles for loss from his linebacker position. This was a guy Boise State moved from, the, from that middle linebacker spot to the will spot. And man, I, I got to say, everybody wants to compare quarterbacks at, at Boise State to Kellen Moore. Who's ever playing that will spot? I just, got, I just I can't not but be like, man, he, does, he didn't look like Leighton Vanderish, you know? Yeah. I mean, what he did that season was unbelievable. Over 140 tackles, three interceptions, number of forced fumbles. Um, near double-digit tackles for loss. Leighton was as, as unique. He was a, he's a unicorn, man. Yeah, for sure. But to see what DJ Schramm is doing uh, is, is really cool because it, it's what makes – and here's the deal too, Shane. There's this thing going on in college football right now we all know, that the transfer portal has absolutely changed the game. Mm-hmm. Um, not only are guys transferring – before, after seasons, as we learned last week, now guys are transferring mid-season to protect kind of their own situation. DJ Schramm's a fifth-year senior. He was just doing his work on special teams and as a backup linebacker. And all of a sudden, this offseason, he makes a massive jump, and the coaches are like, he works so hard, we got to find a way to get him on the field. Mm-hmm. So they move him positions. And now, like I said, he's, he's a guy that's probably contending for a Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. Double-digit tackles, four or more tackles for loss in a single game. My archive goes back about 15 to 20 years, and I can tell you no other Bronco has had 10 or more tackles, four or more tackles for loss in a game in at least 15 years. Well, now the only one's DJ Schramm. Yeah, you can tell that what happens is a guy who's been in the program for five years and he moves to a different position, and now he's immediately successful at that position. He's a guy that's over the years, he's been obtaining knowledge. Yep. Everything's slowing down because he's seen it for five years. Mm-hmm. He's not like he's, he's not a freshman. He's seen it for five years. He's, he's been out there. He might not have been not the starter, but he's been out there. So he's developed this. The game is slowing down to him. He, if you look at him, like you said, you look at him, compare him to Layton. Yep. Physically, there is no comparison. No. But the game for him, the speed, is slow. It so is. he knows where to be he before does. he's supposed to be there because the game is slow to him. So that's, that's, the, that's where... I guess, like, kids don't understand where watching film and understanding why we're doing things, not just that I have to go to the B gap, but why am I going to the B gap? Mm -hmm. You're going to the B gap so that this happens, so that the A gap does this. Like, understanding the whole concept of the defense. Do you have – Shane coaches defense out at Columbia (laughs) High School right now. Are your your players – are you going to make them watch this? Are they watching this? They hear from me every day. speaking to their hearts right now? I don't never ask (laughs) – I never ask my kids just what you got to ask. What do you have? I'm like, okay, why do you have it? What is the person next to you doing? Why are they going there? How do you feel like loyalty also plays into this? Like I mentioned, he's a guy that's been here for so long, could have easily transferred somewhere else a long time ago, up, down, whatever. He could, he could have got out of Boise State, but he stayed committed to the process, and now all of a sudden you got all these guys looking at him and being like, man, that's a fifth-year guy that barely got playing time, and, and now he's like – he's arguably been the most productive player, not just on defense, but maybe the entire football team all season. Yeah, I know that that's a tough thing to do. Even with Hank, I mean, it's a tough thing to do to walk away and transfer and go somewhere else and not stick it out. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I mean, especially when most of these guys that are on this team, they've always been the guy, wherever they play, whether yeah. they're high school, optimist, middle school. And so to go to college and sit for four years and then, you know, wait for that mm-hmm. fifth year to play, that's tough. And those are, those are the guys that typically end up going to the next level yeah. and they're successful because – 
they, they've learned that patience throughout that process. Yeah. And, and I'll say this real quick. We wish Hank the best. Um, he obviously did. Yeah, he made the decision to leave. I had a number of people who kind of reach out on Twitter this week, ask me where he's going, what he's doing. I think he's going to take a little bit of time just to kind of figure out things and what he yeah. wants, and then he'll make his decision later on. I don't, I don't think he's in a rush to make a decision at this point. Okay, Fresno State. The battle of the milk can. You've been involved in this uh, this rivalry game a few times. Is is this a? I mean, does this feel like a rivalry game if you're playing in it? Yes, I think okay. I even played Fresno twice in a season before. You did? Yeah, I you, believe you I know, have. It's, you know which season? Oh yeah, it's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I think you found I think you found the end zone in the in the more meaningful matchup too. Yeah, you guys were all orange. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, right over the middle. Yep. Yep. Got a little bit of a memory here. Yeah. Yeah, you got a lot of years in there. <laughs> got a lot of years in there, right? Oh, my goodness. No, I think it's a rivalry. I mean, I think the only time I think I believe I actually lost to those guys was when they freaking had Derek Carr and yep. Devontae Adams. And obviously, you see where those guys are That sounds now, like a so cheat code. It's not. It wasn't the most fair game, but, yeah. yeah. Outside of that, yeah, they played tough. And you guys, I mean, you guys hung with them that game, though. I mean, I think you guys lost by one. It was really close. You guys got down and you came back. I'm looking Maybe at it. Maybe a little bit more than one. I I'm feel like we might have lost. I'm going to give you about 12, somewhere Ooh. in the eight, eight, or eight to 12 area. I'm, I'm looking it up. It was a little tough, but they were, they were a good team, obviously. But I think every time we played those guys, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're obviously coming. They're trying to get that, that, milk, that milk can back. Yeah. For sure. And you look at what they got coming in this year. And by the way, if Shane gets to brag about his tweet. I'm going to brag about knowing this. 2013, Pete's final year here. Joe Southwick, the quarterback. Yes. They put up a lot of points against you guys, 41 to be exact. Okay. You guys put up 40. You lost by one. By one? By one. I always thought we got whooped by them. Nope. You know, I'll take it. I, I will say, I do remember that game. It didn't necessarily it didn't feel like, like a one-point one game, game. <laughs> with, with the way Derek Carr and, yeah, and Devontae sure. Adams were getting up and down the field. That's for sure. I mean, uh, Derek Carr in that contest threw for 460 yards, four touchdowns. So that was a decent day at the office. And um, they also had Isaiah Burst on, or Burst on that game, who was really dynamic. He's kind of like you, dynamic shift after the catch. Yeah, 11 catches, uh, 168 through the air. Devontae Adams, 12 catches, 110 yards. That offense was crazy. If you're wondering what Shane did, by the way. We hung out on the sideline four, a lot that game. Four, four catches, 10 yards. <laughs> Still got four catches. Hey, Gerardo Baldwin had a big game that game. Six catches, 106 yards. And Matt Miller, who's the current receiver coach right now, nine catches, 93 yards. So you guys did your best to yeah. hang into that game, but that was, that was just a, that was a tough one. Let's face it, that was a tough one. Yeah. Okay, um, this is a Fresno State team that is banged up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Hayner, best quarterback in the Mountain West. I'm confident in saying Easily. that. Uh, he is dealing with an injury that he suffered at the USC game. Man, their head coach, Jeff Tedford, been around for a while. He is as transparent and honest as any head coach, I think, in college football right now. On Monday, he came right out and said, Jay Kaner is out. He also said that Dante Bull, uh, their starting left tackle, is out. Uh, Evan Williams, their all-conference safety, is out. I mean, that is – imagine if Boise State was going into this game mm-hmm. now without Taylon Green and without John Ojuku and without J.L. Skinner. There would yeah. be some serious doubt. For sure. Yeah, this is, you know, it's with how transparent he's been about it. It's almost makes me think. Are they going to pull still some, play? They're going to pull fast one. Yeah. yeah, you know, have us prep. You know, to attack certain yeah. positions that we'll have backups, and then we get sudden, to the game. Friday, and these guys Friday are, night. Or, oh mm-hmm. wow! Yeah, yeah. 
Jake Hayner miraculously made an improvement throughout the week. He will be yeah. good to go tomorrow. I think you still got to prep this game as if they're playing because you in case. never know. Yep. And I, hey, here's the deal. They have a guy named Logan Fife that can sling it a little bit, but it is a different level of slinging <laughs> between him and, and Jake Hayner. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. If all of that talent is out, Man, is it a massive swing in Boise State's favor. When this game opened, it opened as Boise State minus nine, meaning they're favored by nine. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a big, big number. But now you learn that all these guys are out, and Vegas is usually one step ahead. They got – I don't even know how they always do it, but they got internal sources that know these things. (laughs) The line has dropped more closer to a touchdown, but um, still a a pretty big – Massive gap. How do you see this one going? What, what do you think the Boise State has to do in order not just to win this game, but to continue to grow and build on what they, they started last Friday against San Diego State? Well, first, I hope we get to see Taylor play four quarters. We have not yet seen that, no matter how well he's played. So I want to see them come out, stick with what they're going to do, yeah. and take advantage of a team that is ranked 102 out of 131 in rushing. Let's go. Yeah. So we got a team that can't really defend the run pretty well at all. I mean, let's give you an example. Boise State is 27. Yeah. So we got a team we can go out there and run on. Mm-hmm. Well, now we understand that we're a running team. Yep. So let's take advantage of that. You know, they don't have their safety, which is a guy who will probably come down and make a lot he of plays. Is, Evan Williams is as good as it gets in the Mountain West when it comes to safety. I mean, him, he, 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 he belongs darn near class that J.L. Skinner is in right now. He's a very good safety. I think we take care of that. I think we come out, we run the ball a lot. The game shouldn't be long. I think with all the runs that we'll see with having a back, two backup quarterbacks, I guess technically now starters, uh, I think we'll see a lot of running plays. So, it, It's crazy to me. So looking this up, I posted this um, under my Tusk Stats hashtag earlier this week. When it comes to Boise State's rushing offense, right, and, and we'll wrap it up on this here. Prior to the San Diego State game, so prior to game number five, Boise State was averaging 120.2 rushing yards per game, 106th in the FBS, if you're wondering. In game number five, they, they, they rushed for 316. At the moment, they're currently averaging 159.4 rushing yards per game, ranking 66th in college football. They almost mid, midway through the season, yeah. they jumped almost 50 spots in the national rankings. In a half. Yeah, in a half. In and a basically, half. I should say 40 spots, I guess. In a half. In, in a half, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And I, I mentioned Taylor Green, what he's done. Those two other quarterbacks, by the way, with over 100 rushing yards are in two or more TDs in a single game this season. Malik Cunningham from Louisville. Ooh. Adrian Martinez from Kansas State, who yeah. I, Nebraska. I, I think we all know Nebraska's the problem, oh, yes, not Adrian are. Martinez, right? For sure. Yeah, and then finally, um, one more for you here. When we talk about explosive plays, not just even in the run game, but to the offense, but I am going to focus on the run game. In the first four games of the season, Boise State had a total of eight rushing attempts of 10 or more yards. And I got to say, a couple of those were breakdown plays that Taylor took yeah. off, right? Mm-hmm. Against San Diego State, 12. And again, most of those in one half. Uh, carries of 20 or more yards. First four games combined, two rushes, rushes of 20 or more carries, or 20 or more yards. Taylor also. Taylor also. One of those, a, a, a breakdown yeah. play. Exactly. Against San Diego State, five carries of 20 or more yards. Just because you run the ball doesn't mean you can't be explosive, can't, mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't be dynamic. And at the end of the day, you make opposing defenses feel awfully uncomfortable when you do it to the effectiveness yeah. that Boise State did it. For sure. Uh, I think explosive runs hurt much worse than explosive passes. So I'm hoping we can stick with that. I got to say, I think both of us were pretty darn close in terms of our 
opposing point total that we predicted. Uh, we were both yes. between 13 and 17 mm -hmm. last week, and San Diego State scored 13. Yes. The offense exceeded expectations. You know, I'm not, I'm not mad at exactly. that. Exactly. Darn yeah. right. So what are you going at this week as we, as we wrap over up the show? Here? What's our over-under here? We, 50. We, 50. Yeah. All right. I got. That's what it opened at. I got 31. Okay. To 17. 31-17, Boise State. That's 31-14. Still slightly the under. 31-14. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, look at this. 31-14. We've seen a half of football of good offense. We're already back to just throwing it out there. Yeah, they'll score 30 this week. If we can score 35 and a half, I figure we can get 31 in a game, I, right? I love, I love <laughs> the confidence. I love the confidence. Shane, as always, this is an absolute blast. Uh, just a reminder, you can watch Jay's Sports Bar on YouTube. Uh, we have now also figured out our, our kinks at iTunes, so feel free to upload and listen there as well and download it each and every week because Shane is pure knowledge, and I think we learned over the last week also pure fire because you absolutely bring it with, with your knowledge and what you know. Hey, real quick, um, there's, there's a birdie out there that told me you might have uh, shared a text message with a certain guy over at, at Boise State um, prior <laughs> to the last week. Can, can we give you a little credit for uh, hyping him up or, or anything like that? Man, I'm, all I'm going to say is I told him to play to his strengths. Who's him? You know, you're starting quarterback. <laughs> told him to play to his strengths and do what he's yeah. good at doing. You know, don't be someone else. And I love the fact that the way they won the game was they played to his – the team. Yep. The offensive coordinator, everyone, played to his strengths, and it worked out. This man, this man had 233 career catches at Boise State, speaking some knowledge and passion, giving some, some belief out of a guy that is the next wave of yeah. Bronco legends, potentially. Shane, as always, we appreciate it, man. Thanks. All right, we'll see you next week right here on Jay Sports Bar, serving the Idaho sports community.